Yeah, welcome home. Angel, what a hype man. Come on, let's give him a round of applause. I'm excited to preach now because of Angel. I mean, I'm excited to preach anyways, but Angel's awesome. All right, before we dive in, I got to talk to you about one thing. It's called this little fall retreat thing. So the speaker at fall retreat, his name is Alex Rodriguez. He's not the professional baseball player, but he's just as buff, if not more buff. And Alex Rodriguez is my personal hero. He's probably, to be honest, like my favorite person on the planet besides Taylor. He is a, one of the best leaders we have in Chi Alpha Nation. He is a world changer. It'll be the best speaker you've heard all year, especially if you only come to Chi Alpha, because then you only hear me, and he's way better than I am. So come to Fall Retreat. And also the worship leader's name is Ben Eighty, and he is literally the most incredible worship leader I've ever met in my entire life. So if you want to get rocked, it's going to be the best fall retreat you've ever had. We'll give you more information as that comes up. But October 23rd through 25th, get ready for the game changer in your life. Come on. I'm glad you're all here. Thank you for making it through the, the rain. I looked out there and I saw like some students flying away in the wind and the pouring was coming down. And so the fact that you made it proves me you're dedicated. So I just love you all so much now. Thank you for making it through the rain. I loved you before, but the rain really brings people together, you know, in a different, more spiritual way. And this is your first time here tonight. We are so thankful that you decided to join us. I hope you feel welcomed here. I hope you feel like this can be a home away from home. Also, don't forget to get that free t-shirt. We're running out of them. We'll buy more if we run out of your size, but get that free t-shirt. And also, I would love for you to come introduce yourself to me after service. I'd love to get to know you and just hear your story and chat a little bit. It's not that scary. I try not to be too scary. I'm kind of awkward, but not scary. So come hang out. It'll be fun. I truly love this Kyle family. I love you guys all so much. Just, I'm so grateful looking back at what God has already done this year is crazy. The fact that social distancing and masks and all these crazy variables haven't impacted what God is going to do on this campus is just crazy to me. It's so cool. So let's give Jesus a round of applause because he's incredible. Come on. All right, I'm assuming growing up that all of you guys had kind of dreams of what you want to be. Some of you want to be teachers. Some of you want to be doctors, professional athletes, maybe just moms or dads. I learned this past weekend that my niece, I've got, like, I've got a lot of nieces, to be honest, I kind of get them confused, but one of them is three, and she wants to be a cowgirl. I don't know what that practically means or how the income comes of being a cowgirl, but I learned that. I was also a little sad that she didn't say she wants to grow up to be a Chi Alpha pastor. I was kind of hoping for that, but that's fine, I guess. For me growing up, I wanted to be what I'll coin a Christian rock star. So I loved playing the bass guitar. I played the instrument that Andrew Piper over here was playing, and I wasn't very good, but my dream was to do it for a living. I wanted to be in a Christian band. What that basically means is we just, the songs we sang wouldn't have swear words in it. And yeah, that'd be fun. So I thought we could do that. I could tour around. I could play on stage. I used to play in bands as a little guy, and I'd get so wild and crazy. And it was fun. I think the reason I wanted to do this is because I went to a lot of concerts growing up. And I also loved playing in the worship at church. And when I was in middle school, I got to live out my dream. As you'll see, there I am. Yes, it's bad. I know. I know it's bad. I'm the chubby kid with blonde hair. That's me. Also the one on the right, hair changed. So I got to be a rock star. It's pretty cool. All right. We can put that down now. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad that was fun. I truly thought that my destiny in life was to be a rock star. And I'm not even kidding. I thought this until like I graduated high school. And I thought God had created me to shred on that bass guitar. I think many of us have some sort of dream or idea why we're created. We feel like we're supposed to be a teacher, we're supposed to be a business person, we're supposed to be an accountant, a musician, some sort of purpose in our lives. 
we plan out the next five years, we take the right classes, we join the right clubs, we get the right endorsements, we date the right people and take the necessary steps to accomplish our goals. Or maybe you're here and you're not a planner, you're not someone who's looking out 10 years ahead, and you've got really no idea why you're even at UNI. You're undecided and you're unsure of your major is going to be or what you want to do. Guess what? That's okay. That's the point of college. You've got to figure out what you're supposed to do. But some of us have everything planned out, have these dreams. Some of us have no idea what we want to accomplish, and I think there's some of us that are kind of in the middle, that we got some vague idea of what we're doing, but it's kind of gray, and we're not sure if we actually want to do that major. Like, we came to college excited about our major, and then we got there and realized, I don't actually like my classes. This isn't fun. We're thinking there must be more. There's got to be something else into this life. There's got to be a greater purpose that what's happening isn't working. Maybe you're not confident in not only what you're going to do, but maybe you're not confident in who you are. Maybe you don't know why you're created. Maybe you feel like you don't belong, or sometimes you feel like a waste of space. And I think God wants to speak to everyone tonight about finding their purpose and identity and help give some clarity as to why we're all here. Tonight, we're finishing up our first sermon series of the year entitled Ready for More, More Jesus. Our theme this semester is that we are ready for more. We're in a crazy season in our lives, and we want more of God. We want God to do so much more than we could ever imagine. We spent the first four weeks talking about how we need more Jesus if we want to accomplish our goals. Week one, we talked about how we need to turn back to God. We need to run after Jesus and how that no matter what we've done, Jesus loves us so much. No matter what mistakes we've made, Jesus loves us so much. Week two, we talked about the woman caught in adultery and how she received more freedom when she gave her life to God, that she was caught in bondage and sin, and then she gave it all to Jesus, and he broke the chains off of her life. And then we talked about how he wants to do the same thing in your life, how he wants to give you more freedom. He wants to set you free so that you can pursue him. Finally, last week, we talked about that if we truly want more, we must be with Jesus. How if we want any chance of growth and fulfillment in our life, we need to spend every day reading the Bible, praying, and being with our king. I hope you all took that to heart. I hope you all spent some good time with the Lord this week. I hope that you've read like the first seven chapters of John or something like that. And if you did that, I bet God is starting to do something in you. Maybe you don't even know it yet. Maybe you're like, I'm reading this old book and I got no clue what's going on. Guess what? That's okay. Just keep going. See what God has for you. It takes more than a week. There's also some of us in here, and if we're honest, maybe we read John 1 on Wednesday, and then Thursday came and we forgot, and we haven't done it since then. Guess what? That's okay, too. There's this thing called grace. So God is, you're forgiven, you're set free. Don't look back at the past week and say, dang it, I should have read my Bible so I'd feel better right now. Just look to the next week and say, I want to do better next week. And start, maybe you have to restart in John 1 tomorrow. That's okay. Just start. It's a habit. It takes time to build. But if you do it, I promise you, your life will be forever changed. So tonight, we're going to finish our series with a talk entitled, More With Your Life. More With Your Life. And we're going to dive into a, a story in Luke chapter 5. Jesus spent all of his time with 12 guys. They were his closest friends, and they eventually started the church and the Christian movement as a whole. These 12 guys are what we call in the church the disciples. If you've heard that term, they were just Jesus' 12 closest friends. However, before they met Jesus, these 12 guys, these disciples were not religious people at all. They were a very ragtag bunch of guys and if you looked at them, you would not say in a million years that they would end up starting the biggest movement in religion history. So as Jesus started his ministry or his time of focusing on growing other people and telling others about himself, he knew that he needed to get this small group of people together. Wait, small group. Jesus was in a small group. And I think that means we can be in a small group too. So if you haven't got connected to a Kyle of a small group, that's okay. Tomorrow's the day to start. We got some great small groups on Wednesdays and Thursday nights. Our small group leaders are incredible. If you want to see your life completely change, get plugged into a small group. Jesus did it. His 12 closest friends did it. And if you do it, 
Good things will happen. I hear your small group leader will like buy you pizza and ice cream and they'll take you and get you whatever you want. They'll get you a new iPad if you go to small group. Come on, they're gonna hook you up if you just go to small group. Am I right, small group leaders? Amen? Yeah, they're like, no, we're all poor. Don't say that. <laughs> That's the first amen I've gotten all year. So I'm poor. All right. So Luke chapter five tells us the story of Jesus finding these disciples, of kind of finding his first three and how they joined him. So if you have a Bible with you, please turn with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1 and read until verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some free ones after church for, or after service for you. You can go to the Connect tables out there and get a free Bible. So Luke 5, 1 through 11, it'll also be on the screen so you can follow along there. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of, Ges- I looked it up, Gennesaret, question mark, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Simon is also Peter, they're the same person, so don't let that confuse you. He asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But as your word, I will let down those nets. So Peter, or Simon, same person, they're like an amazing fisherman, they feel really good, and then this Jesus guy comes and says, hey, try this. Do it one more time, even though it hasn't worked yet. So if I was Peter, I'd be like, mm, nope, I'm, I, I know what I'm doing, Jesus. You don't know what you're doing, so I'm not going to fish again. But luckily for us, Peter didn't do that. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they also became disciples, who were partners of Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you so much just for your goodness, God. We just thank you for all the students that are in this room tonight, God, that you want to speak through me, Jesus. Speak your message that you want, God. We love you so much. Amen. All right. This is how we start pretty much every message. If you remember one thing. One thing at all, this is it. You ready for it? We were created on purpose and for a purpose. We were created on purpose and for a purpose. So when I thought of this, I went out to the living room and Taylor was out there. I'm like, Taylor, I got this genius idea. Listen to this main idea. And then she said, "Um, my pastor growing up thought of that like 20 years ago, so you're not actually that creative. And I was really sad. So anyways, I think I'm the one who thought of it. So we were created on purpose and for a purpose here tonight. If you would have asked the disciples before they met Jesus who they were, they would have probably said they're fishermen. Just like if someone asked you, maybe you'll say, I'm a student at UNI. They were normal, everyday people doing normal, everyday things. But when they saw the power of God, Peter's response is this. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. This was Peter realizing that compared to God, he is very fallen. He's very broken. He's very sinful. Each of us are like Peter. We go through our everyday lives. We go to class. We do homework. We do the normal college things. Then at some point, we realize that there's got to be something more. See, what I've learned is I've learned that the everyday things of life just aren't fulfilling. They aren't enough. Just going through the motions doesn't do enough to satisfy me and fulfill me. I need a purpose. I need an identity. I need a reason for what I do. I know that I want more for my life. Hopefully, we're all in this boat, and then we come to a place here. We come to like Chi Alpha, and we encounter the presence of God. We get to meet God here at Chi Alpha, and when we encounter him, it can show us a lot of things just like it showed Peter. 
If this is your first time with us, my one hope is that you encounter God. That is the most important thing to me is that you encounter the presence of the living God. And what does that mean? It means that you realize there's something so much greater out there, that you have a creator that loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you, that you are not on your own, but instead there's a God that loves you so stinking much. That's why we do worship or this music time before I talk. It is an opportunity for us to sing out to God and to try to encounter his presence. That's the whole purpose of it is to encounter the Holy Spirit, to hopefully feel God. If worship time's a little strange or uncomfortable for you, I want you to know that's okay. I know what we do here is a little different than what a lot of people have growing up or just kind of weird. Like There's like synth sounds and funky stuff at church. This is really weird what's going on. It's okay. My encouragement for you is just to come and just try to attempt to encounter God during worship. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't be like, I gotta come here and raise my hands and feel something or else I'm a bad Christian. No, don't do that. But instead, just come with an open heart and see what God wants to do in you. So when Peter encountered God, it showed him his position before God. And I think he can do the same thing for us. See, we can realize that we are very broken, that we actually have no right to be with God, that on our own we are hopeless. However, the beautiful part about Jesus is when he sees us in that state, when he sees us start to realize that God is all the way over here and he is perfect and he is good and I'm all the way over there and imperfect and very mistaken, when Jesus sees us start to realize that, he intersects our lives and comes right running after us. Think about Peter's story. When Peter says, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. When Peter realizes his position before Jesus, Jesus doesn't look at him and say, yeah, you're right, you are sinful. I'm gonna depart now, see you later. No, that is not what Jesus does. What Jesus does is he looks at Peter and says, it's okay, don't be afraid. It's okay, don't be afraid. And then he calls Peter to more. For Peter, when he saw the power of God, he decided he had to drop everything and follow Jesus. So clearly for Peter, what Jesus had to offer him was better than what he had going on because or else he wouldn't have left his old life to go to this new life. If the new life wasn't better, he wouldn't have left it. So clearly following Jesus was the most, more desirable path for him. That he, it's the path he felt he needed to go on. Jesus had an impact on Peter. Jesus gave Peter two things that Peter must not have had before. See, when Peter encountered Jesus, he felt love. He didn't feel judged for his sins, feel judged for his mistakes. Instead, he felt love. But also, Jesus gave Peter purpose. I think Jesus is looking at some of you tonight and he's saying, don't be afraid, but I do have more for you. That he is ready for more in your life. Jesus is calling each of us. He's looking at us in our everyday lives and our shortcomings and he is saying, I have so much more for you than you could ever imagine. He's saying you were created on purpose. He's giving us a new identity. See, Jesus is giving us each the same opportunity that he gave Peter 2,000 years ago. The question is how we respond. If we respond like Peter and say, Jesus, yes, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. He is faithful to give us purpose. He's faithful to give us a clean identity. See, in this moment, Peter realized that he's very sinful. He realized he was very dirty. He realized that he does not measure up. And he realized that his identity probably wasn't very good. The beautiful news, though, is that even though we are sinful, even though our identity is not great, God has something more for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We can have a new identity. I think many of us here tonight can tend to struggle with our identity. Maybe we put our identity in what we do. Maybe it's in our job or our title or what we're gonna have for a job or maybe our identities and whose boyfriend or girlfriend we are. Maybe our identities in our major. Maybe our identities in the mistakes we've made. I feel like many of us 
come in here and we have a sin struggle or an addiction, and then we think that's who we are. Maybe you're in here and you're addicted to pornography and you just think, I'm a porn addict. Or maybe you're in here and you, you struggle with drinking and you think, I'm a drunk. Maybe you feel like a failure and you're saying, I'm a failure. But that is not what God has for you. Your identity is not in your mistakes. Your identity can be in King Jesus. See, Jesus has a new identity waiting for us. He wants to make you a new creation. See, the old is bad. That's what 2 Corinthians says, that our natural sinful self is not good, but Jesus can make it new. Jesus can make it better. Jesus can take the old filthy rags that we should wear, and he can turn it into new. And Jesus wants to do the same thing in your life. He does not want your identity to be defined by the mistakes you've made, but instead by what he has done for you. We aren't our mistakes. Romans 8, 16 through 17 says this, that the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If you're here tonight and you struggle with your identity, please know that Jesus is sitting here waiting with an incredible identity. He wants to take your old identity. He wants to give you something so much better. Jesus knows that we cannot do this on our own. Jesus knows that we fall short on our own that with him, we can be world changers. Every single person in this room can change the entire planet if we put our trust and our identity in the King Jesus. So what does Jesus want to call you? What does he want your identity to be? Jesus wants your identity to be simple. He wants to be son or daughter. Jesus wants to call you the child of God. Jesus wants to call you heir. No matter what anyone else thinks of you, Jesus still loves you. No matter what mistakes you've made, or where you're at tonight, Jesus wants you to be his co-heir. What does that mean? If you're a co-heir to God, that means you are the prince or the princess in the kingdom of God. You are a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. Your identity is not in mistakes you made. Your identity can be that you are royalty in the kingdom of God, which is the greatest king on the planet. That's what's waiting for us on the other side of submitting to Jesus. You are a child of God. You are not created on accident. I believe there's people in here who think they are an accident, they are a mishap, that they are a mistake, and that is a lie from the enemy. You are God's chosen. You're the apple of God's eye. God loves you and values you so much. I think some people in here think they don't have a purpose in their life, but you have a meaning. You have a purpose. God wants to use you and do more with you than you could ever dream. So if you're in here and you struggle with your self-identity, you don't think of your worth as something that is very good, that you don't think you're worthy, that is a lie. Jesus calls you son or daughter, the king of kings, the God of all creation, the makers of heavens and earth, wants to call you their child. So don't say you're an accident. Don't say that your identity is a mistake you've made because you can be the son or daughter of King Jesus. We cannot forget this, that if we put our trust in Jesus and if we trust in the sacrifice that he made for us, the sacrifice when he came and he died for our sins, when he paid our penalty, when he took our place, if we trust in that, our identity is being a son or daughter. Each of us, we were created on purpose. So what must we do then? We need to put our identity in Jesus. So instead of being defined by what we do, we must be defined by what he has done. This means that we are not hung up on what others think of us. We're not hung up on how we're perceived. We're not hung up on how successful we are. But instead, our only aim is to please Jesus. If your identity is son or daughter of Jesus, the only thing you care about is pleasing Jesus. That when we look at God and he gives us a new identity, we are so grateful because Jesus paid your penalty. Jesus can take the old and make it new. That when we look at him or say, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done. Thank you so much for paying my price. Whatever your wish is my command, King Jesus. When we do that, God is going to use you to change the world. The moment that Jesus looks at us and he says, okay, He says, do not be afraid, for I'll make you a fisher of men. 
Not only were we created on purpose, but we were also created for a purpose. In verse 10, Jesus says to Peter this, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. We are called to be like Peter. We are to leave everything to follow Jesus. We are called to catch man. What does this actually mean though? Does this mean that I have to be a pastor or I have to work for a church if I want to follow God? It does not mean that. I wish it did because then you could all work with me. That'd be really fun. But no, you don't have to work for a church. What it means is that no longer do you live to accomplish your own goals, but you live to accomplish the goals of God. We live to accomplish his mission on earth and do what he has called us to do. See, I was reading a book earlier about this story that we're reading tonight, and it says this, that Jesus begins Peter's journey of discipleship not by calling him away from his profession, but by challenging him to a bolder practice of it. So Jesus doesn't say you can't be a fisherman. He says, try this and trust me. Cast your nets one more time. Trust me. Do what you do not unto your own glory, but unto my glory. Jesus isn't sitting here saying that you can't be a teacher, saying you can't be a musician or a husband or wife, but what he is saying is that everything you do, you do because you are called by God, and as you do that, you do it for the glory of God. Jesus wants you to boldly follow him, and he wants you to give him the glory. This story starts with Jesus challenging Peter, with Jesus saying to Peter, throw your nets out to sea one more time. And then Peter gets the biggest catch of his life because he listens to Jesus. Before Jesus, I think Peter would have been like, Yo, I'm an incredible fisherman. I just caught the biggest catch ever. He would go talk to his friends. He'd be bragging it up saying, you guys got nothing on me. I'm the king of kings. I'm the best fisherman in the world. But this is kind of awkward for Peter because he had just told Jesus and said, no, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't really make sense. I already cast my nets. It didn't work. Why would I try that again? So after or Peter did this, it's clear that the glory has to go to Jesus. It's clear that Peter didn't do anything. Peter didn't do squat to get that catch. It's clear that it was because of Jesus. If you were to follow Jesus, you must do the same. You must give the glory to him in everything you do. So if Jesus has called you to be a musician, hear me, if Jesus has called you to be a musician, not if you want to be a musician, not if that's what you think is best for your life, but if Jesus has called you to be a musician, then guess what? Be the best musician you can be. Be the best musician you can be. And then once you grow and once you grow as a musician, you don't do it to get your name in lights. You don't do it to get your name famous. But instead you do it to give Jesus glory. To say, because of the glory of God, I can do this. This is not my own, but his will. Jesus is calling you to be the best version of yourself that you can be. If God has called you to be a business person, be a great business person. But don't do it to get a fat stack in your wallet. Do it for the glory of God. I think this one reigns true for a lot of us. I think a lot of you work hard. You try to get good grades in classes. Don't do it to glorify your name. I know me, so I worked hard to get good grades in college, but it was all about beating everyone else. It wasn't to do my best or to honor Jesus. It was because I wanted to have a higher grade than everyone else. That is called pride. Don't do that. Give the glory to Jesus, because only through Jesus are you smart enough to get an A, or for some of you a B, some of you a C, some of you a D. That's okay. You pass, so amen. If you get an F, don't blame that on Jesus, okay? That's probably because you didn't study. Everyone's like, what can you like, oh, ouch. <laughs> Everything we do must be because Jesus is asking us to do it, and we're doing it for his glory. When I started college, I attended North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I was going to school to study music. And before getting into the music program, you have to do a scholarship audition. So I show up, I do my scholarship audition on the bass guitar, that's what I played, and after my audition, the professors and like the department heads were like, 
they were buttering me up. They're like, wow, you're so good. You're so talented. You're one of the best bass players I've ever heard. I think they're probably trying to get me to come to school because it's really expensive and they need to get my tuition. That's besides the point. Anyways, they're buttering me up, telling me how great I am. And then they give me my scholarship offer and they say, this is the highest scholarship offer we've given to a bass player in years. And I felt real good. I'm like, wow, I am a rock star. Finally, my dreams have come true. I didn't give the glory to God in that. I said, I'm incredible. I'm a good musician. This is not thanks to you, thanks to me. So that was great. A few months into the year, we do our audition for the different bands in the school. So there's multiple bands, multiple worship teams, jazz bands, different things that you can try out for. And I audition for them, and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I got the scholarship. I got the big scholarship. So I'm going to probably, probably won't make the top band because I'm a freshman, but probably like the second or the third band. So I went, did my audition, felt pretty good about it. Afterwards, they post the results. Well, I didn't make the top band or the next one or the next. Oh, I didn't make any of the bands. I think God was trying to humble me a little bit. I was so shocked. How did I go from Mr. Scholarship to not making a band at all? I didn't give God the glory in the first place, so why would he honor me and give me another opportunity to glorify myself? Too many times we do this. We do things for our own glory. We do things to get our name in lights, to make us look like we've got it all together, when instead God is just sitting here begging you, saying, give me the glory and see what happens. We must take the identity that we have as sons or daughters of Jesus and then have that impact the way we live our daily lives. We must then give all the glory to Jesus in everything we do. See, this is a paradigm shift. Most of our lives are about glorifying ourselves and making our identity be that I'm incredible at this. I'm incredible at that. I am a good musician. I am a good student. I am a good boyfriend. That's our identity and how good we perform. But what we need to do is we need to take that and flip it on his head and realize, no, I'm very messed up. I make a lot of mistakes, but guess what? I serve a God that's really good. And I serve a God that deserves every ounce of glory I can give him because Jesus is awesome. And as we do this, our identity will become one of being a child of the king. And then after identity becomes that, we start to live to glorify his name. So first you get your identity right, you start doing things for his glory, and then something else happens. That's when we become fishers of men. That's when we find our true purpose. So our true purpose, I think it's kind of two halves of a whole. So the first half of our purpose is individual. It's something that God has specifically designed us to do. So for example, God has maybe designed you to be the best mom on the planet, the best mom you can be to your kids and to raise God-fearing children. That is your specific call. That's your specific purpose. It's not for someone else. It's not for me. I'm not supposed to be the mom of your kids. That's for you. You have this call. But then there's a second half of our purpose that I think is very general, very universal. All of us have the same call in the second half. And that second half is we are called to be fishers of men. What is a fisher of men? What does that mean? It means that we need to tell our friends about Jesus. It means we need to help our friends become closer to God. We need to fish them into the kingdom of God. When Jesus looked at Peter, he didn't say, you know what, Peter, you're my son now. I forgive you. Here's grace. Now go on and keep being a good fisherman, and that's it. That's all you got to do. Be a good fisherman. No, when Jesus looked at Peter, he said, I've got more for you. I've got a purpose for you. He said, the purpose I have for you is I need you to help me build my church. I need you to bring my name to every corner of the earth. Jesus is looking at us in the same way. He's looking at you and saying, I have something so much more for you, something so much greater than you could ever imagine, and that is you need to tell your friends about me. 
We are called to tell our friends about Jesus. We are called to love people. We are called to live a life worthy of explanation. What does that mean? If we truly glorify God in everything we do, people are going to notice. People will notice that you don't drink and go out and party with them on the weekends. The people in your dorm are going to notice that. They're going to ask you why. People are going to notice that you don't sleep around and have a new girlfriend every day. People are going to notice that you're not prideful, that when you do well, you don't say, yeah, I'm awesome. Instead, you say, Jesus is awesome. People will notice that because that's different than the rest of the world. Everyone else is living to glorify their name. So when we do something different, people are going to start asking questions. People will notice if you start caring about other people. If you're a loving person, that usually catches on. And when people notice that, it gives you an opportunity to point to Jesus. It gives you the chance to say, you know what? I tried living a life of my own. I tried these other things and they didn't work. But the one thing that has brought me fulfillment, the one thing that has worked is pursuing Jesus. So I don't party because I don't need that to be happy because I've got King Jesus. You gotta tell them that you have a King and a Savior that loves you so much and the least you can do is obey. And guess what? If they don't respond, that's not on you. It's not on you if they get mad or they say, no, that's not for me. But guess what? If you don't fish at all, if you don't throw the line into the water, there's no chance they're going to bite because there's no bait for them to bite on. So we have to do our part. We have to tell our friends about Jesus. We have to live a life that is different. We have to live a life that is worthy of an explanation if we want to see the kingdom of God come on this campus. If you want to see your friends in your dorm come to know Jesus, you have to do something about it. We are called to be a light on this campus. We are called to be so different from the rest of the world that it demands an explanation. In our day and age, let's just be honest, a lot of people are really grumpy. People are very pessimistic. People are angry. There's so much hate in this world. Let's get on Facebook for 30 seconds. And God is calling us to be so different from the world. He's calling us to when everyone else is complaining about class, when everyone else is complaining about the weather, complaining about the mass, complaining about everything, we are called to not complain, to choose joy and love. We are called to be people that are we attempt to be happy. Even when life's a little rough, we choose joy in Jesus. Even though everything's not going perfectly, we choose joy. And if we do that, guess what? People like to be around joyful people. If you're grumpy and angry all the time, people don't really want to be around you because it brings them down. But if you're someone who chooses joy and light to the world, people want to be around you. And as people are around you, you can build friendships. And through friendships, through the context of having friends, you can bring up Jesus. Going to the union and saying, hey, you should follow Jesus. That's not going to work that well. But what will work is you going to your classes and you finding three people that you want to become friends with. And then you're nice to them. And you start conversations with them. You choose to be their friend. And then after that, they ask you, why would you come up and sit next to me and start talking to me? Or you just get to know them. They get to know about your life. What do you do on Tuesday nights? Hey, I come to Chi Alpha. You should come with. Through the context of friendships, the context of joy, we'll see people changed. As we invite people to Chi Alpha, we invite them to small group, we invite them to church, we get to share the hope of Jesus with our campus. And that's how we'll see the world turn upside down. I know some of you are here and you're like, but I'm real timid. I'm introverted. I'm scared. I don't want to talk to my friends. I don't want to talk about Jesus. I don't want to talk about anything with them. I don't really have friends. God is calling us to work past that. If I'm honest with you guys, I am so scared to share my faith. There are times when I'm with a stranger and I, I feel Jesus tell me, you better talk to him. I get so nervous. I'm a pretty big introvert. I like to fake that I'm like excited all the time, but I like to read books and sit in my, my office. That's what's fun for me. But God has called me to work past that. 
God has called me, yes, Derek, I know you're scared. I know it makes you uncomfortable, but you have to be uncomfortable sometimes for other people because guess what? You being scared of being uncomfortable might be blocking something that God wants to do. Maybe God wants to see their lives turned upside down. Maybe God wants to save them. Maybe God wants to give them hope and joy. And maybe God wants to save them from spending eternity apart from him. And what it's going to take is you casting your net into the sea and making a friend and telling them about Jesus. We cannot rob people of the opportunity to experience what you might be experiencing these past few weeks. I hope these past few weeks as you've been a part of Chi Alpha, you've seen your life change in a good way. I hope that you've seen God can bring you joy and friendship and community and that we just want to expand that to the rest of the campus. And if we do this, if we're joyful and if we make a lot of friends, the campus will be changed forever. So what are we to do? We are to understand that our identity is in Christ that you are a chosen person, that you are made on purpose, that you are not an accident. We are to understand that we are the sons and daughters of King Jesus. And as we do that, we will start to live to glorify his name and not our own. We will not be people of pride. We'll be people of humility, people who do whatever God asks of us. And as we do that, our friends will start to notice and we can start becoming fishers of men. And that's how we see things start to change. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not sure what your purpose is. Or maybe your purpose, if you're honest, has kind of been all about you. This is your new purpose. This is what Jesus wants you to do with your life. Jesus wants to, first of all, show you that he is your father and that he loves you, that he has more for you. He wants to show you that your identity is not in the mistakes you've made, but said your identity is that you're a son or daughter of the king. That's first. Then he wants you to do everything to his glory, to do what he's called you to do, to try to glorify his name, not your own. Here's the deal. Trying to glorify your own name, to be honest, is really stressful. It's been my story of struggling with pride and I'm just always really nervous. Like, how do I look to people? Constantly thinking, what does that person think of me? Did I make that person mad? Does that person think I'm cool? Like, that's such a huge burden. Trying to promote yourself is such a burden because guess what? You are not gonna live up to your expectations. You won't be as good as you wanna be. But Jesus is always gonna defy expectations, be way better than we could ever dream he'll be. As we glorify his name, we will start to look different to the rest of the world, and people will notice. And when that happens, we get to tell our friends about Jesus. Jesus wants your friends to experience the same kind of love you've experienced. Jesus wants to take what God is doing in your life and pass it on to the people around you. That's what we call discipleship. You're going to learn a lot about that over the next few months. Jesus wants you to impact your friends so they can impact their friends. He wants your classmates, your doormates, your family, your friends to have a purpose. God wants to do more with your life so he can do more with their lives. Maybe you're here, though, and you don't follow Jesus at all. Maybe you, don't, you haven't done anything to follow Jesus yet. Jesus is looking at you just like he looked at Peter 2,000 years ago, and he's saying, I have something so much more for you. Are you going to keep fishing, or are you going to come and follow me? He's saying, I have something that nothing else can offer. I have the hope of eternity. He knows every mistake you've made. He knows every flaw about you. And he loves you anyways. He wants to give you purpose too. Even if you don't follow Jesus yet, he wants to give you purpose. He's already thinking 10 years down the road of how he can use you to change the world. Nothing you've done makes you too far gone. Nothing you've done makes you unable to be used by God. But first we must trust him. 
we must accept the sacrifice that he made for us when he died on a cross 2,000 years ago, that Jesus came, he lived the perfect life. We talk about this every week, and I'm gonna keep talking about it every week because it's so mind-blowing that we are so imperfect. We make so many mistakes, but Jesus, God, came as a human, lived the perfect life, and died for our sins. Come on, somebody. We deserve sin, death, hell, and the grave, and King Jesus came down and said, that's not gonna do. I'm gonna pay their penalty, and that should change the way we live. And for those of you who don't follow him yet, God wants to be your source. God wants to be your purpose. God wants to be your everything. And all you have to do is trust in him and say, you know what? I am mistaken. I have fallen short, but you seem really good. I challenge you to try Jesus and see what happens. Jesus pays our price. He pays our penalty. And all we have to do is trust him. And if we do that, we get to spend eternity with him. So that's part of it. That's pretty cool. Spending eternity with God. That sounds like a fun time. But he also wants to do more with your life right here and right now. Jesus isn't just focused on eternity. He's focused on what's going on in your life right now. Jesus cares about your Monday mornings. Jesus cares about your classes. Jesus cares about you. And he wants to do more with your life than you could ever imagine. If you would all stand with me, please. We were each created on purpose. We are not accidents. We are the children of God. We have a purpose and we have a reason. And if we put our identity in Jesus, just like I said earlier, if we put our identity in Jesus you get to become prince or princess in the greatest kingdom on the planet. Not only were we each created on purpose, but we were created for a purpose. So you were created on purpose and for a purpose. We were created to glorify the name of Jesus and to show the world how good God is. We were created to be fishers of men and to show the University of Northern Iowa, the students here, the 10,000 students that don't have a relationship with God are waiting for us. When you go into your class, look around. Statistically, 90% of them probably don't follow Jesus or aren't at least connected to a campus ministry. They're waiting on you. Let's be the difference maker. Let's go fishing for some people at you and I and see what happens. And as we do that, we'll see this room explode. We'll have to find more chairs somewhere. We'll make it happen. And a bunch of people are going to find their loving king that wants to be their savior. They want to realize that life's not about glorifying their own name, but instead that when you live to glorify God, when you get to realize that he's so good, he's so loving, it's a joy to give him glory, not a burden. If everyone will close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to ask two questions. We do this every week at Chi Alpha. So the first question is for those of you, if you're honest with yourself, you haven't been living a life following Jesus. You haven't trusted him with your life yet. Jesus wants that to change right here and right now. You are not here by accident. Jesus wants to change your life forever, but what he is asking of you is to make a decision to follow him. So what that means is on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. And the reason you raise your hand is not because anyone's looking around because they're not. Every eye is closed, but instead so we can do a step and action towards Jesus. So if you wanna give your life to Jesus and you wanna say, I am ready for more, I'm going to change my eternity. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I'm going to pray over you. Jesus, I thank you so much for the new sons and daughters in your kingdom. I thank you for my fellow co-heirs that have just joined your kingdom. God, I pray that this is not a one 
moment experience, but instead it is a life-changing action of following you, Father. I pray that you do more with our lives, Father. I thank you for these students. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. A second question I want to ask you is if you're in this room, and maybe you have been following Jesus, but if you're honest, if you haven't been living up to your purpose, maybe you've been finding your identity in other things, like the things you do and how successful you are, how good of a student you are, or maybe you've been finding your identity in the mistakes you made, and you just think that you possibly aren't good enough to be a child of God, and you need to accept your identity as the son or daughter of Jesus. Or maybe if you're honest, you, wanna, you haven't been fishing for men lately, but God is looking at you and he's saying, it's time to change that. And you want to make a commitment to being a fisherman on this campus. If that is you, I want you to raise your hands to Jesus right now. Just raise both your hands to God and say, I'm in. I'm going to try this. And we're going to head into this next song. We're going to sing this song together. And let's worship God with everything we have. Let's encounter God tonight. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the call and for the purpose over our lives. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen.